0: Each new challenge also provides a new opportunity for us to reinvent the industry and reconsider ways in which we've done things in the past. This is why the registry continues to provide industry insights through personal interviews with the leaders who are shaping real estate each and every day. By subscribing to our podcast, you are helping us in our work, and we will continue to deliver programming such as the one you're about to hear. Please click the subscribe button and let your friends and colleagues know about us. It will help you and the industry stay ahead of the game. Randy Tsuda is the president and CEO of Palo Alto, California-based Alta Housing, an affordable housing development firm that has been active in Silicon Valley for over 50 years. Randy joined Alta Housing in 2018 after serving as a Mountain View Community Development Director for over a decade. His career includes experience in the nonprofit, private, and public sectors, and spans real estate, city planning, affordable housing, and economic development. Randy, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Vlad, I'm doing well, how are you? I'm doing well too, I'm doing well. Randy, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Do you mind uh, telling us a little bit about yourself and your organization as sort of a way of introduction?
1: Sure, so I'm Randy Suda and I'm the president and CEO of Alta Housing. So Alta Housing is a community-based nonprofit organization. We've been in existence for over 51 years now. And for about forty five of those fifty years, we focused exclusively in Palo Alto, California, which is kind of the heart of silicon Valley and yeah. and, uh, and over the last five or six years, the board is in the organization we've decided to if we were going to truly fulfill the our mission, which is to provide and support uh, lower income residents with housing and services then we really need to look at expanding our geographic scope. So over the last five or six years we've begun to expand gradually into other parts of Silicon Valley. We're currently working from Redwood City in San Mateo County and then down into the northern parts of Santa Clara County, Palo Alto and Mountain View specifically. Ulta Housing provides four basic services. One, obviously, we are a developer and builder of affordable housing, so that's one. Second area is we provide property management for affordable housing projects, both for our own portfolio, but we also do property management for the affordable housing component of, of privately held privately held below market rate housing complexes. So we do a little bit of that third party property management. The third aspect of our business is resident services or supportive services. So for our complexes in our communities, we tailor our residential resident services program to the needs of those living in the project. So, you know, those services vary widely. If it's a family housing project, we will provide after-school educational support, reading clubs, things like that. If it's a if it's a senior c- complex, then we will provide exercise classes and nutritional support. And then, if it's folks that are uh, transitioning out of homelessness obviously we will support them with uh, job skills um, resume support interviewing skills and those sorts of things so we're quite proud of the resident support and residential resident services that we provide to our residents and then the last aspect of what we do is our below market rate administration service and in this case we it's an outsource service we provide back to local cities for cities that want to either contract out their overview and administration of their BMR housing program. They can contract with our organization and we will monitor, do the income monitoring uh, tenant selection process uh, for, on behalf of the city. So we currently provide that for four jurisdictions.
0: Got it, got it. And for now, this is the focus of the organization. It's the sort of Bay Area, but kind of more specifically kind of Santa Clara County and maybe parts of uh, San
1: Mateo County, essentially, right? That's right. You know, from our standpoint, it's the uh, heart of Silicon Valley. It's the portion of the Bay Area that has the highest uh, housing costs and the need for affordable housing is the greatest.
0: Yeah. Usually I would say when people think about Silicon Valley and that region in you know, particular, you, you know, think about places like you know, Los Altos and Palo Alto, and you don't necessarily think about affordable housing. But tell us sort of over the you know, 50 years that you guys have been around, what has been the need for that product and kind of how, how has that evolved?
1: There's always been a need for affordable housing in the Bay Area, right? The housing crisis and the housing situation in in the Bay Area and specifically here in in Silicon Valley is a a monster we've created over the last 20 to 30 years. So it's uh, been an ever-increasing Problem and challenge for the region. We have decades of underproduction in terms of housing. Yeah. So what started out is something that uh, to Palo Alto's credit, they they supported this uh, the formation of this nonprofit some 50 years ago. You've gradually seen that uh, demand and need for for a housing ripple across the entire Bay Area to the point where it's you know one one of the great challenges to the Bay Area. If you look at the polling information and, 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 and interviews from CEOs in Silicon Valley, they they consistently mention housing costs, lack of affordable housing and transportation as as the greatest challenges facing the economic viability of the region moving forward.
0: Yeah. And over over that half a century essentially, how how many projects have you guys been involved in?
1: You know, we over the past fifty years or so we've uh, we've completed about twenty five projects what's interesting is that uh, we have currently six projects in the pipeline now, so we are significantly increasing our uh, our pipeline of yeah. developments uh, in over the last few years so you know what is I mean, we continue to be a community based nonprofit focused very very locally here in the sub region. But at the same time in this it, what this one area, of Silicon Valley, you know, we are we are definitely increasing our product flow, trying to bring on more projects onto the market as soon as soon as we can.
0: Yeah, and, and what has been the cause of that sort of increased level of you know, production now versus versus in the past?
1: I think it's it's really a commitment by the board and the organization to look beyond Palo Alto, look in, in Silicon Valley as a whole. Its a commitment to gradually increase not only the geographic focus but the associated need to increase staffing and expertise in terms of our nonprofit. So, and I think we've we are successfully fulfilling that mission. Now we are continuing to look into other parts of the Bay Area. We'll try and do that in a rational way. You know, this will always be our home, but. Looking out into the future, we will gradually expand our, our geographic focus.
0: Interesting, yeah. So, if you could, you know, provide sort of an assessment of the you know the state of the affordable housing you know development in the in the Bay Area now, right? How would you characterize that?
1: It's good and bad. The need for affordable housing has never been greater, and and at least in my career, I I think we are at an all time high in terms of the general public's understanding and exposure and support for housing, and specifically affordable housing. So I think that level of support amongst the public has never been greater. And the pandemic is only spotlighted this issue more, right? It's never become more obvious than now that the need for affordable and safe and well-maintained housing, allowing lower-income residents to remain stable and secure in their homes, it's never been more important and never been more obvious than today. So I think that's the blessing and the curse. I think there's a lot of public support uh, for affordable housing. I think the looking forward I think there are challenges on the horizon yeah. in terms of uh, you know funding availability on the local level I expect to see cities budgets get strained and tapped and and uh, challenged uh, looking forward uh, because of declining tax revenues and potentially declining uh, balances in terms of their low income housing funds and I think there's a lot of competition and a lot of need for funding at the state level. So yeah, it's it's a it's a mixed bag. There are signs of hope out there, but uh, I think the the idea and the uh, knowledge that the public is really beginning to embrace and support the need for housing uh, is is very much a positive from a political
0: standpoint. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. The impact of COVID, obviously, right? I mean, it's been so disruptive for everybody. And I, and I don't necessarily want to dwell on the kind of negative aspects of, of that. But out of chaos usually comes opportunities. So, you know, what opportunities do you see coming out of sort of where we are today and kind of the impact of the global
1: pandemic? From my standpoint, uh, interestingly, the pandemic has tested our organization and tested many organizations out there. I think um, in this challenge, in a way, it really brought us our organization back to the core, to the fundamentals, and focusing on the very fundamental principles on, on, under which we operate, which is to which is to focus on our residents, to continue to provide housing, continue to support our residents in every way we can. So it's really. Um, as an organization our resident services and support services team has have stepped up in a dramatic way over the past year in focusing on communicating checking in our on our residents getting them in touch with the support services they need whether it's income assistance rental assistance we've significantly increased the amount of meal and grocery support we provide to our residents okay so you know i think in the wake of the pandemic, it's it's really given us an opportunity to focus on what's most important. At the end of the day, it's how we care for and raise up our residents.
0: Yeah, what does this mean overall for your organization? Is there an opportunity to make acquisitions to you know negotiate certain things at this point, you know, point in time that might affect you know future developments? Like you know, wh- you know, has how, how has that Im- impacted you know your everyday life?
1: you know we are getting a lot more a lot more opportunities are being brought to our attention no surprise that uh there's a lot of properties that were in contract or under options that are falling out so you're seeing a lot more movement of of potential development sites so we're doing a lot of due diligence on potential acquisitions potential partnerships uh, so I'm seeing a lot of activity from that standpoint yeah on the other hand you know you know you you, you you do need to be a little cautious as to how quickly can you get these projects through the entitlement process and how likely are you be, to be able to get funding for them so but uh, yeah I think the blessing of the pandemic is we are seeing a, a Quite a few opportunities out
0: there. Yeah, and and you mentioned that also just a few minutes ago. Uh, some of the funding may become more difficult, and you know things like that. Let's walk through that a little bit. You know how you know what what does that mean for you guys? You know specifically and kind of what what have you seen as a result of sort of what is happening. Across the industry now, you know, are are is funding more difficult and in what ways, and also, what does that mean for building trades? You know, is that more difficult to obtain? Give us sort of an assessment of sort of the you know production side of things, if you will.
1: From a funding standpoint, all of our projects uh, are partially funded through the federal low-income housing tax credit program, okay. and that program and the. The amount of equity we can derive from that program has really been challenged uh, in the wake of the pandemic. So the amount of equity that we can derive from it has dropped uh, significantly. Now, in the year-end federal legislation, they did adopt some regulatory changes that tried to shore up and enhance that 4% uh, low-income housing tax credit program. So that will certainly help uh, on a go-forward basis. But we still are are monitoring and and waiting to see where the marketplace, how the marketplace values that tax credit program going yeah. for. But you know, long term, I think that is that is of benefit.
0: Yeah, and and I was sorry to interrupt, Randy. And and your other part of funding comes from some of the local sources also, whether it's county or city stuff as well. They've been challenged with COVID, with you know lower revenues as well. Have you seen an impact? on what they can do to help you, you know, accomplish your task, essentially?
1: Yeah, I think you've really hit on a, a significant point, Vlad, is that uh, no surprise with the uh, pretty strict shelter-in-place orders and, and restrictions that we here have here in the Bay Area, you see local the local revenue streams, local re- revenue streams in terms of uh, sales tax and transient occupancy tax, otherwise known as the hotel tax, you've yeah. seen those significantly drop. So I, I, I do see local local jurisdictions, cities uh, being challenged in the future, uh, challenged to balance their budgets, to maintain staffing. And if there is a slowdown in market rate development, whether it's on the residential or office side, I do see a reduction in those in lieu fees that go towards supporting and investing in low income housing.
0: Yeah. So I think
1: there are challenges out there for local government uh, from at least three different perspectives.
0: Yeah. Have you found the cities to be more responsive to you know speeding things up in terms of getting getting you know paperwork done and that kind of stuff? I imagine opening one of your projects is always a good sort of story for every city that you work with, right? What's your sense of that?
1: Varies widely by jurisdiction. Certainly, uh, we had a project in San Mateo County, which was able to utilize uh, SB 35, which is a state uh, bill that streamlines the development process for certain types of projects. So in that case, that project went through very, very quickly. And and uh, the county uh, process, processed process the project very efficiently. And kudos to San Mateo County. I must, I gotta give them a bit of a shout out in that we were in construction on that project as the pandemic hit. And the county pivoted very quickly and figured out a way to continue inspecting the project and supporting our construction uh, as they were quickly trying to figure out how to change their service delivery model. So I did want to compliment San Mateo County for being able to accomplish that very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, So I think it varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Certainly, the fact that the state is providing these streamlining mechanisms does help. Yeah. I want to switch over
0: to kind of a topic that's been a little bit in the in the news lately. And this uh, focuses on usually the kind of higher paid employees leaving the Bay Area, in some cases, you know, companies relocating their headquarters. For the folks that you have in your projects, you know, are, are you seeing a similar kind of trend or does it diverge at a, at a certain point?
1: We in our in our projects and our residents, we aren't seeing a, a large exodus of folks leaving the Bay Area. I think because people are in in housing and are paying rents that is commensurate with their income, so yeah. they aren't leaving for um, economic reasons, which is different than what you at least uh, if you look at the reports and some of the. From data and you read the newspaper articles, and you know, that's different than what you are seeing uh, with some other folks. But you know, you're seeing a lot of discussion, right, about uh, companies leaving the Bay Area and higher income tech workers being able to work from anywhere,
0: and yeah. some of them yeah.
1: relocating. So we have not seen that uh, amongst our residents uh, in any significant way, at least to date.
0: Yeah. But a portion of that group that's also leaving the Bay Area, you know, is for affordability, right? Thinking that now that they have the flexibility to work, uh, you know, from wherever they're going to places where it's cheaper to cost uh, to, so it's cheaper to live. Sorry, as you look at this, you know, I wouldn't say those folks are necessarily, you know, rent burdened. But what is the challenge with the folks in in your demographic? Are, are you seeing higher? impact of, uh, you know, rent burden and sort of how, how is that playing itself out? And maybe by, you know, category of folks too.
1: If you're not in affordable housing or rent restricted housing, um, you are in all likelihood rent burdened or severely rent burdened in the Bay area, if, uh, low, low income, uh, folks that are low income households, that's uh, between 50 and 80% of the med- area median income. Yeah. About over half of those uh, households are rent burdened. They're paying a disproportionate amount of their income to in, to remain housed. And that only increases dramatically. If you look at the very low income categories, that increases to over eighty percent of those households are are severely or are, are cost burdened or severely rent burdened. So these are the folks that, uh, are providing essential services to to our local economy. These yep. are the folks that you see in our shops and stores, and and uh, work in our companies every day. And the fact that they are paying fifty five percent to over eighty percent of their incomes to stay housed is quite shocking.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there are people who are who are leaving the region. Automatically, I would assume that means that there is, you know, more access to housing. You know, th- does that mean affordability is going to go up at this point, or at least maybe creep up a little bit, if not go up? Overall, what what does that do? Do you think for housing in the in the region in general?
1: Well, I think that remains to be seen. I think yes, there has been a decline in in rents. Uh, Challenge is that it's say declined in some of these areas like Mountain View, San Francisco, Palo Alto that it's declined fifteen to twenty percent in terms of one bedroom rents, but it's declined at a to a very. Very high level. Yeah, so, you're right. <laughs> you know, depending on what part of the right. uh, Silicon Valley you're in, you're still paying on average uh, 2300 to $2,800 a month for a one-bedroom apartment. Yeah, so yeah. yes, it's lower, but it's <laughs> coming it's off relative of a very, very high uh, rent level. So I don't think that anybody considers that to be affordable long-term. That's right. That's right.
0: So your, your point is that it's still... Jury's out for us to sort of figure out whether this is really going to have an impact, if any at all, right, on the on the industry.
1: Yeah. Is this a short-term impact? Is the rental decline uh, a short-term phenomenon? Yeah. Uh, will it begin to rebound? Yeah. There is some speculation and some data that seems to in- indicate we are approaching the bottom, yeah. that uh, rental decline, and that uh, may stabilize, and then as the economy opens up again and, and the California, the Bay Area, begin to recover, then uh, you would expect to see uh, an inc- increase in rents again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Randy, you mentioned the six projects that you have in you know development in the in the pipeline at this point. You know, w- what's on your plate for twenty twenty one and you know beyond? Can you give us a little bit of a you know preview of some of those things that are that are on your plate?
1: Yeah. So we are putting the finishing touches on a on a project in san mateo county on el camino this is a project that provides housing for uh, veterans and uh, other folks transitioning out of homelessness as well as the uh, more general lower income households so that we do have occupancy and we are and We're um, finalizing a few last items on that project. Then we have two projects under construction right now, uh, one in Mountain View at 950 El Camino. That's a 71-unit project, uh, five stories. And... That will have a component of that project. Will be dedicated to adults with developmental disabilities. It's a great site. Very, it's within a block of Castro Street, which is the downtown street of Mountain
0: View. Yeah, yeah,
1: and close to transit, not only to the bus lines but also to the downtown transit center. So that should be done late, late this year. And then we have we broke ground in December on a project in Palo Alto, a 59 unit project the first affordable housing project in Palo Alto in quite some time. And uh, similarly, that project will also have a component of those units for adults with developmental disabilities. So those are the two projects we have under construction, along with the one we are uh, finishing up. And then we are in the entitlement process on several other projects. Uh, Here in Mountain View, we were... Specifically, uh, there's a project uh, called Lot 12 in Mount View. It's in down the core of downtown Mount View. Currently, okay. it's a city-owned parking lot, and we we were uh, quite pleased that we were selected by the city council as the uh, as the developer for that site in partnership with our development partners, uh, Related Affordable. So. That should be, or that's uh, designed as a 120-unit project okay. on that site. So we have just submitted our preliminary development application, and we hope to utilize uh, that SB 35 streamlining process and and be permitted uh, at least on, on an entitlement basis sometime this summer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. On the projects that are under construction or, you know, closer to being completed, where where are you in terms of the occupancy? Has that been finalized also?
1: The Redwood City project, we are currently leasing that up. We're getting our referrals through the uh, through the VA and through the county. So, we hope to have that fully leased and occupied later this month. Got it. Great, and then
0: you know, Randy, we have a pretty broad group of people that, that we touch on a you know daily basis. Um, how can the industry be more helpful to you in terms of uh, you know doing what you do and you know help further your mission?
1: I think that that help and partnership can take many forms. We are seeing an increasing number of partnerships with uh, market rate developers where we. That We work in tandem with them to entitle projects whereby they have a market rate component and a site or a portion of a building that will be for uh, below market rate housing or affordable housing. So we're seeing increasing interest in that, particularly on larger projects. And uh, so we are able to – we're excited by those opportunities and that we can – we can work in tandem with these market rate developers and bring affordable housing on and in, into the marketplace at the same time as the market rate product enters the marketplace. So they're, they become uh, linked together. So we're seeing more of that. We're seeing interest uh, in very unexpected ways. You know, one of our sites uh, is next to a public uh, is next to a mini storage by public storage owned by public public storage. And as a community benefit, they are offering to provide us with uh, half an acre of land that will uh, support affordable housing. So we are, again, working in partnership with them uh, on a joint entitlement to get uh, their project built and as well as ours. So that would allow us to build a 105-unit project where... Prior to that donation, we that site would yield only about 50, so okay. it's more than double the Number of potential affordable housing units. So, you know, had we had this conversation a few years ago, I, you know, it's a partnership that would be hard to fathom and envision.
0: But yeah, the, yeah. You know, thus
1: far, it's been a great working relationship, quite unique, and um, we're we're excited by that opportunity.
0: Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. And Randy, if folks want to find out more about the organization, where where can they do that?
1: I think the best source is our website. So, uh, altahousing.org, dot org provides information about the organization, some of the projects we have on the, in the pipeline, and the services that we provide. Yeah. So yeah, it's a great source of information.
0: Perfect. I'd like to close by, you know, focusing on something positive. So my, you know, final question for you, Randy, is, you know, as you look at kind of everything going on right now, and as you canvass the industry and what you guys are doing uh, overall, you know what gives you hope—not uh, just for this year, but you know in the in the future as well.
1: From my standpoint, it, it's um, the first step of change, the first step of making meaningful change in the in this uh, in the housing area and affordable housing area is the recognition by the pu- public by elected officials that that uh, housing is an essential human right we absolutely must provide people with adequate safe and affordable housing yeah and i I do think that's a realization and i think that when we really step back and look look at this i think that all of us in some way whether we're speaking as individuals or speaking as uh, corporations entities and jurisdictions can be part of this solution, can be part of this movement, whether it's through supporting projects, speaking out, uh, supporting projects when they come before uh, elected officials. It can be in terms of partnering with affordable housing developers. It can be in terms of Donating money or donating time to organizations that uh, support uh, lower-income households, whether it's with housing services, support services, homeless services, food banks—you name it. You know, the, the the need is great. There are multiple opportunities for folks to participate and support this in the way that's comfortable and meaningful for them. So, I think collectively we can all contribute. We can all we can all improve this situation. And so that 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 gives me hope that through realization and acceptance of our collective responsibilities that we can finally begin to turn the tide here.
0: Yeah. Randy, thank you so much for your time. Stay safe. Thank
1: you. Thanks for having me, Vlad.